Hi, my name's Michael and welcome to Today Dreamer, a podcast and YouTube channel that examines the interplay between inner work and outer work. Through conscious conversations and practical walkthroughs, we'll be exploring ideas and practices to help you find a deeper sense of clarity, develop your focus and take meaningful action. I hope you love the show. Hey, welcome back to the podcast and I really hope that you've been well in the last week or two and um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to share this episode with you today. Before we begin, I'd like to take part in a ritual with you that I do before almost every show, but I've decided to start including you guys on this one and that is just to take uh, a deep breath with me. Uh, I was hoping we could do this together and it could be kind of a nice way to begin the shows from this point forward. I find the breath is a great thing to connect back to uh, because it's really easy to kind of lose awareness of it and not really be connected to our life force, which is what the breath really is. It, It really brings us back to just this state of being and it allows us to maybe not relax but come back into a state of stillness you know within that moment within that moment of intention the intention to really connect back to ourselves so let's let's do that now let's set that an intention whatever that may be for you i'll leave it up to you For me, it's going to be that um, this episode and this introduction is going to go well and is really going to resonate with you guys because I feel like it was a very special one. So let's together now take a deep breath in through the nose, into the belly and just witness the kind of moments before we exhale and just kind of pay attention to that moment hold our intention true in our minds and then release so in we go it really changes the energy a breath i found it really changes the vibe or the vibration And something else that changes the vibration is the topic of today's episode, which is chanting. Chanting is the primordial vibration. It's the original sound, the original language. It really is simply vibration. I guess some people could even call it the soul's voice. And it's got a very transformative power. It allows us to transform ourselves from this constant state of of chatter and scatter to really come back to that state of stillness that I so often bring up in the show. Today Dreamer is here honestly to act as as a chance to explore, a chance for me to explore and a chance for you to explore different practices that allow us to come back to that state of stillness and chanting 
is definitely one of those. It allows us to kind of recenter ourselves and come back to this state that is is a natural thing. It's a natural part of all of us and we all have it within, but it so easily gets lost among the noise and through all our kind of conditioning and layers and layers upon layers of crap that gets kind of um, put on top of us and blinds us from the truth of who we are and the truth of what is. It kind of allows us to really just, in a sense, take that breath and come back to something that is real. It also brings people together. It may feel kind of strange chanting in front of others. I know the first time I did it, it was weird. Um, don't have the best voice and it's a strange feeling. I was in Costa Rica with a group of other people and we were singing together. And at a certain point, I, I, I just let go and I just got into it. And it really kind of, you know, I could feel, feel it throughout my being, throughout my body, throughout my spirit, you know, this vibration, this energy that, that was contagious and that was spread and shared among everyone in the room at the time. So it's a very special thing, chanting. So today's guest is Janet Stone. And I asked her, I invited her to come onto the show for a conversation because I really felt like she would. She was one of the best people in the world to speak to around chanting. She studied her spiritual practice. I started her spiritual practice at the age of 17. In 1996, she went to India, the birthplace of her grandfather. And um, that's kind of where the journey began for her. And ever since she's been teaching yoga and sharing, sharing her gift with the world. Um, she's an incredible human being and she's done some incredible things. She holds yoga spaces and retreats. Um, and she does a lot of work out of San Francisco and Bali. She's a mother of, of two daughters and it's, and she's just a wealth of wisdom. A wealth of wisdom that's open to sharing. And, you know, I'm so grateful that I had the chance to soak up some of that wisdom and now have the chance to kind of share it with you guys. So here's our conversation on chanting. And it's also really a conversation on the spiritual practice of life. Uh, before we get into it, though, I just wanted to let you know that there are going to be some changes in the show and it's continually evolving and, and developing as I go. And um, I really want you guys to be on board. I, I want to bring you into this experience as much as possible, this experience of learning, exploration and growth. Uh, so please consider, I don't even know what I want you to do. I guess just connecting in some way, whether that's on Facebook um, whether that's on YouTube, checking out some of the videos there, or just reach out, just just send me a message. Let me know that you're enjoying the show. Let me know if you're not. <laughs> Let me know if you have any feedback. Um, I really just appreciate any form of connection um, because you know that energy and connecting really will help me propel this 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 thing forward, and and really will help me. I I guess help other people. Um, deepen the connection to themselves, the people around them, and the planet. So let's get into this chat with Janet. And um, please subscribe if you haven't already and, and connect in some way. Thank you. Janet Stone, welcome. 
<laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I was just telling you that I, I just recently ordered a Shruti box and it might be a nice way to, I guess, lead into chanting mm. because, you know, that was something that I really wanted to speak to you about. And I guess um, it's some it's an area that I'm just beginning to kind of explore and I feel like you've got a lot more experience um, when it comes to chanting than I do. So would you be able to maybe share a little bit about yourself to begin with and then uh, maybe we can have a chat about chanting? <laughs> mm, yeah, well, I mean, I'd rather just start right about chanting. <laughs> uh, let's then, let's uh, do that then. And then we'll and, reveal yeah. um, sort of how it all came to me and really the, the chanting aspect and the bhakti, really, truly the practice of yoga through devotion, through an a attentiveness to the mind-heart connection. Bhakti yoga is the yoga of the heart, but bhakti yoga also suggests um, in a different way that we bring everything to the table and we use everything of our life as fuel. And then that fuel is what gives us our, our power and our strength and is our energy. And really meaning to say, you know, say in Vedanta, it's, uh, there's a lot of restraint. There's a lot of like uh, taking aspects of self and containing them and getting them under control. Bhakti yoga is not to say that it's messy, but it does absolutely say, no, no, bring your grief, the pain of being in this human body, the beauty, the love, the passion, bring it. And through that, we can resonate out and bring a more one-pointed focus into the um, point at which you want to give your attention and intention. The story that I can tell that is so beautiful. It's a very, very long story, but I'll just tell you uh, this one section is essentially gods, demons, they all come together at this great milky ocean of consciousness and they're longing to bring the elixir, which is really luxury. They're longing to bring up like the, the, the sweetest of the sweet, the grace, the shri, the nectar. So they're doing all this work and first they're battling and then, then they realize they can't do it the devas, which are the gods, and they can't do it asuras, but only together when they're both just in there churning and really trying to bring this up, can they bring forth? And to me, that represents the practice, right? The churning at the staff, like you're sort of getting all the little bits that have been stored from your karmas, your family's karmas, the long line, and the practices of yoga are really just about staying on that dunda, your, your shadow side, your your wisdom light side. Um, but here's the beautiful thing about that story is that we don't go right to the Shri. We don't go right to, ah, oh, you know, I have transcended, I have the elixir, I'm Paul's good. What happens first is what comes to the surface is what's called the halahala. Hala. Halahala is known to be the most noxious poison ever. And I often equate it to what's happening to our oceans these days, right? It's diapers and shopping carts and thousands of toothbrush, you know, just the microplastics and all the garbage just coming to the surface. Shiva, who is really one of the, the gods of creation and destruction, the god of yoga, he comes to the party just to witness this, this fun scene. And he sees this noxious poison come up and he leans in and slurps it all up because it would have destroyed absolutely every living thing, right? So he slurps it up, holds it in his throat and does mantra and just holds it in his throat, mantra, mantra, mantra. 
transforming this most noxious poison into this potency and this power. He's then known as blue throat, his, the poison turns his throat blue, but he becomes more emboldened, more empowered. And so that's to me the mantra aspect, shruti, harmonium, tabla, sure, beautiful. Those are musical and that is delight our excitement and music and sensibility and get get us down then behind the frontal lobe behind our um, loop and our story get us back down into the space where we can actually uh, drop into presence and drop into a deeper nature and so the the repetition of mantra right allows you to move back behind the eye maker and go into this place that um, can see something both in training inward at the same time as moving outward, if any of that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that definitely makes that makes sense. And, and it, it's such a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing that. Mm. I, I, I love that he takes he takes all of this in, right? And then mantra seems to be kind of like, uh, like this, this, this healing um, energy that that transforms and and that just sounds really powerful and and potent yeah you have your grief right or you have your joy or you have your highs and you have your lows you have your shadowy greedy bits you have your benevolent kind bits and you bring that all to the table and there was a moment uh, a few years back where my house was broken into and everything was taken and my life savings that, you know, that's a long story. We won't get into it. And just all of my family stuff and that, you know, you just work really hard for and you, and I just remember coming and falling, coming home, everything's broken, falling into a heap. And then, you know, letting myself have that moment and sort of picking myself up and seeing the harmonium out of the side of my eyes and just go into it and just going and everything poured into that. And from that, it felt like a transmutation of the momentary loss into not trying to transcend and move out of my emotional state of grief, but just at least um, incorporate and digest what has happened. It's almost like you're sinking into it rather than running away from it. It's almost like you're embodying it and, and really feeling into whatever your experience may be in mm-hmm. that moment through this this um, through this mantra. Mm. Um, so, would you be able to share with me some specifics? I know that there's. I mean, I've I've kind of been in a group and we've and we've done it before, um, kind of from a ceremonial point of view, and then I've also kind of done it on my own. And I know that it felt quite different in both scenarios. And I'm sure there's other ways, you, you know, you can do it. Would you be able to kind of um, shed some light on maybe some specifics or, or um, some ways to maybe get into it? Yeah, I mean, it's you can go as deep as you want to go, right? It's just like Sanskrit. It's just like the asana. It's just like the pranayama. So we can, we can touch in in this moment in a, in a tiny little process of it. But it, it is a sacred sound that has an art and science to it, that by its repetition is said to have an effect on your cells. And from those effect on your cells, that effect out. So it can be, it is in in the true form of mantra, it's often prescribed to you, almost like an herb or a medicine by your teacher, right? So it's a lineage aspect. 
Now, if you go into the temples in India, you'll hear the Brahminical priests because it was mostly, um, you know, the Brahminical priests who were able to chant these mantras and not the, the regular folk. Um, we won't get into the caste system, but we'll just note that that's kind of where it was. And they're very rhythmic and they have a, a rhythm and a tempo. And those meters is what you stay with. You don't deviate, you don't go outside. That's what they are. And they learn them somatically, often from um, either an elder or a father. And so mm. somatically meaning, you know, it's like you touch a shoulder, I'm gonna, I'm gonna then you do the thing, and then you do the, and it's just, you touch all these spaces and you kind of go through these long, complicated uh, mantras and they just become part of yourselves. What do you mean about touching spaces? Sorry to pause. It just means in the somatic sense. It's like on your butt, the body has places that get connected to as they're learning it, right? So that it becomes a somatic, a physical sense of learning the mantras as well. Then you'll also mm. just see all the, the young ones sitting and they do, the, they do the rhythm with their body and they keep the meter sort of through that rhythm. So, you know, there's that right? <laughs> then there's what you spoke of, which is, and I'll, I can run and grab my harmonium here too. So it's I have several, but I'll grab my, my big one. It's close. There is what has sort of been gifted and, you know, it's the Krishna Dasas and it's the Jayu Tals who are in the lineage and even Ram Das and, um, Bhagavan Das and, you know, some of those as they come down the lineage who've brought it to the west and now we suddenly have chords and we have rhythm and we have um a more inclusive out into the world version right so it's so depending on where you are and what sparks you in almost every spiritual tradition there is some type of rhythm or music or tonality that comes in that that allows the I, me, and my to melt into the whole, right? So join voices. So your singular voice becomes uh, multiplied, but then also returns back to the, to the singular voice of the many. So I guess I should say that I'm Janet Stone, <laughs> that I live in San Francisco, California. Now we intro, <laughs> now we intro me. <laughs> now this was the, the pre-chat. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's this is crazy and mind blowing and and Janet you you you're making me feel um I'll definitely put a very special intro for you in there by the way, <laughs> don't worry <laughs> um you're making me feel like excited because I, I'm really getting into exploring different types of practices to 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 re to you know recenter and come back to that natural state of that stillness within all of us and and that that speaks to or points towards this this sense of oneness and community and mm. and also you know kind of the areas where that's lacking at the moment and this the sense of separation that we're all kind of um you know kind of in 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 a system systematic kind of way embodying and and i feel as though something like this you know could and the exploration of something like this could really um help us connect and help bring us together so it and it's something that i haven't really it hasn't really been on my radar and and the times that i have like i mentioned they've been really profound moments and i've been able to go deep into this sense this 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 melting into um you know this kind of union mm. and it, it's a very special thing and 
I don't know. It just it, it just makes me feel really excited because of the links of everything that's happening and almost this coming back to that um, sense of Shiva um, using the mantras as as a healing and this kind of a, um, a curing um, thing to practice. I, it, it, there seems to be a connection there. Yeah, it's actually healing, of course, on uh, on the spiritual level, right? And it can integrate us in our various parts. It's healing on the social level in that, well, let's just take San Francisco studio. I have, I can fit about 150 people. There's people who work at Google. There's people who work at nonprofits, who work in social justice. It's everyone. And everyone's come from their momentary intensity, right? Of city living, of urban life, of all the things. And they come into this space and before you know it, they're oming or they're chanting. And sure, there yeah. may, they may have resistance, right? There may be like, oh, this is so stupid. This is a thing. And I don't even sure, know what they're sure. saying. But my goodness, by the end, everyone is just full on bringing themselves into that, into that sound and melting in. And what I'll say is the one thing that I have is an incredible reverence to where these mantras came from. And I'm not saying that anyone needs to do the Sanskrit mantras, they need to do it in any style. It might be, anyone can take this and do, do what they will. But I do hold an incredible reverence to where these came from, to the lineage. And I hold, you know, my grandfather and three generations were born and raised in India. And somehow that sort of penetrated into my being. I had been to India and seen the, and heard and felt the chants there in Nepal and I'd come home to Los Angeles and it was Max Strom who owned three times in a class in Santa Monica. And those three ohms made everything make sense. There was in that mo in those moments, I had no questions about anything for just a moment. Mm -hmm. Nothing had done that before. And just in that resonance, in that um, deep, rich, ability to get out of the way the i me and my and bring forth something and then to join that wow <laughs> how do you how do you within your classes i mean holding space for that many people must be um, an experience within itself but how do you uh honor that lineage how do you kind of pay your respects to to where you know to the source i guess yeah, every class, either beginning or end, or sometimes both, there is a bowing of my forehead down to the ground. And people, some people join me, I invite them to join me. And I put my forehead in energetically to the feet of my teachers in the sense of all of the sacrifices they made to carry the wisdom. And that I get to, in a sense, you know, receive that wisdom. And Guru Brahma, Guru Vishnu, Guru Devo, Maheshwara, Guru Sakshat, Param Brahma, Tasma Shri, Guru Ve, Namaha. So this, the Guru is the bringer of light or from darkness to light. And so that could be literal teachers that I've had in my life. It could be the energy of the teachers and the teachings. Um, and just giving people the opportunity to look at their family, their ancestors, their math teacher, they're whatever along the path lovers that have broken their hearts, even as teachers. And so that's, yeah, that's kind of how I do it. And also just, you know, making sure that people know I, I didn't just 
suddenly pop out and have any of the wisdom I have. I, I actually have been a student and I remain a student. I thought it'd be cool to mix in some new creative elements into the show. So I wanted to play for you a little bit of an interlude uh, that's going to lead us into the next uh, stage of the conversation. I hope you're getting something out of it and I hope you're absorbing uh, the, the wealth of knowledge that Janet has to share with us. Um, feel free to listen back over this episode um, as many times as you like, or even take it out into in sections. You know, you might listen to the first half today and the second half tomorrow, whatever's easiest for you, but really try to take as much time as you need to absorb the information that Janet's sharing because it's it's really powerful stuff. And even over the last couple of weeks, it's really helped me out. So yeah, that's all I have to say. Um, here's, here's an interlude, a short mantra uh, from Janet Stone's album. feeling of a constant student from you and and I wanted to know you know where did that where was the catalyst to that to that journey what made you go to India and go visit you know where your grandfather was from and and start kind of this this um I guess this self kind of um self-studying and learning about yourself and learning about you know the world around you where where did this where did that start and what made you decide to go there mm. Yeah, that's a that's a ripe question. It's full. <laughs> and I was, you know, my father passed away when he was 45. And I was um, in the film industry. And I was really working my way into a very successful film career. And loved it and loved the people and the creative and a few little other bumps in the path just made me take a hard turn and I took a hiatus what we call in the film industry and 
Um, I just knew that I had to head to a couple different places for sure. And India was one of them. And that's where I kind of ended up spending um, a good amount of time as well. And I think it was really just that moment of dropping everything. There was enough to just go to just take life as uh, the standard go make money, get position, status, get stuff, get a person, mate up, do the thing. It just, it didn't, it, none of that felt important. And it felt important to go into the world and be stripped of all of my I am's. And yeah, I think that that would be sort of uh, that impetus. And I was out for, for quite some time. I did end up coming back and um, it really then ended up affecting kind of where I went from my film career into yoga. Yeah, it's interesting how these these experiences that seem quite heavy and difficult at the time can really shape us into, you know, who we really are in a way if we if we can surrender into the experience and, and follow it along um, despite the difficulty of that and the fear that's involved. Oh, for sure, right? I mean, we can look at every marker of that and that's again you can go back to the shiva story that is my that's my poison in the sense but my poison can also become my medicine mm. the the word that comes to me at the moment is work and um effort and it's something that i'm wrestling with as well at the moment yes yeah, so can you speak a little bit about that yes yeah, sadhana or tapas or however you want to call it so in the eight limbs of yoga, right? You have the yamas and the niyamas as the first limb, like these really powerful branches. And, you know, in the top, in the niyamas, you've got the kriya, tapas, vadyaya, and ishvara pranidhana, right? So those are the last three, tapas being fervor and fire. And how I actually observe that and how I like to apply that is actually in a sense of consistency, constancy of showing upness. I don't want to, it'd be easier not to. I would prefer to tune out and watch a Netflix or something, but to show up and show up again. And, sh and, it's, and it's, it's like just keeping the embers lit, keeping hmm. the embers lit, keeping the embers lit. Because if I let that go out, that's not to say, I mean, my practice has changed over the three decades I've been in practice, you know? I started with a meditation teacher, Premer Wat, you know, and then Asana came in my, in, into my realm when I was in India and then beyond. And then, you know, and as it goes, but my goodness, it's transition, right? Three hour Asana and, you know, like an hour of meditation, Pranayama, no way, no way. But it's consistency that I find something that I, that I will make fit into whatever form comes in. Swadhyaya, the self-study, right? so much easier to blame other people outside of yourself to look outside to look at the circumstance and this president oh my goodness and <laughs> what is it to actually pause and look inside and during this this particular time i mean gosh it's 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 almost an incredible um teaching like we have to sit with ourselves. we have to sit with ourselves, and we have to sit with ourselves some more we have no escape Everybody's sitting there like blaming everybody else and having all of their conspiracy moments. But if you really stop and just sit with yourself, that's an incredible power. So I don't, I don't know if I answered your question <laughs> other than to say, make it doable and be consistent and that keep those embers lit 
whether it's a 10 minute meditation, whether you do five minutes of pranayama and nine Surya Namaskar, just do it. Yeah, that's something that that really rings home to me and, and it connects to a, a, a knowledge that I'm that I'm kind of absorbing or integrating into my life at the moment, a piece of wisdom. And that is that, you know, no matter how much the wind blows and, and, and as the, as the fire might die down a little bit at times, um, as long as that those embers are lit on some level um, and, and just the practice of keeping that going without, I guess, other things creeping in, like too much fear that the fire might go out or um, worrying about other kind of elements. I think, as long as that fire is kind of kept a lit and all it takes is that little breath, you know, constantly every day, um, then I think um, the rest will take care of itself. And, 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 and there's also a part of it that's kind of getting used to, you know, when it, the fire might be roaring in comparison to when it might be lying low and just the different um, shades in the spectrum of, of, of what might be happening and, and also kind of learning to flow within like um, in, in and out of those in a way that is accepting of mm. what's going on. And that again can really be about time. Just keep putting the little drops in the bucket or the little heat on the fire of your effort, of your presence, of your showing upness. And like you said, when in particular, when you're younger, you just can light that bonfire. It can just roar, right? But then it's a different type of fire as you, as you might go. And again, like you said, it, you might build it up again, put more, get more logs, build up some more fuel, meaning to say, carve out more time for practice mm. or take another training or immersion or put yourself in some um, more intensive form of studentship right and then that mm. gets you kind of back into that like whoa right so much more in here because i feel brand new all the time i feel brand new i feel just eyes wide open every time i hit a surya namaskar just one surya namaskar it feels it's it's a wonder what's this body today with the temperature, with the mode, with the mood. I mean, it's everything is shifting, you know? It's it's like an awe of a sunset. You never just go like, you know, I've seen one. I've seen it all, right? So, I mean, that if you can keep that type of curiosity and wonder to something as simple of, as Nadi Shodhana, then that, you don't, I think a lot of people think you need then a ton of different asanas. You got to get all of the pranayamas in your bag and, you know, and it's, actually quite potent to be in the simplicity but sometimes you have to go through all of that acquiring and complexity to get to the simplicity and 90 minutes of practice or an hour of practice at a studio two times a week great and mm -mm. <laughs> show up a little bit more for yourself every single day whether you again make it a 10 minute home practice whatever it is so so coming back to that idea of um, being a student constantly and learning and, and, and showing up for yourself and also, you know, the layers upon layers of lessons within lessons and you mentioned the, the yamas and niyamas and, and, and even within that, there's so many, I guess, um, there's so much richness and deepness and that's only, I guess, it seems like that's only one part of yoga, although, you know, I'd love to hear your thoughts on yoga in a little bit. But my question is, where are you at at the moment? What do you, what do you, where are you, what are you exploring um, in terms of um, your studentship and your your journey? 
Yeah, it's a beautiful question in that it is constantly evolving and circling back in on itself, right? Mm. Samskaras and the witness of being sort of a puppet to your own preferences, the puppet to your own um, undigested emotional scars mm. that we get into these grooves. And I think that because maybe more so in the Western culture, we have this idea that we're going to we're going to progress and then we're there like, Oh, I, I the, the summit, you know, so oh, yeah, the yoga summit I'm climbing now and then I'm going to hit the, the space 30 years. Then I get to share with y'all <laughs> that you hit the summit and you slide right back down. Like some anger loop comes in or gel or whatever the, whatever the thing might be. Right. And so in those cyclical uh, grooves that, that get built from even before we were born, then they sort of get deeper and deeper as we go. And we sort of harden into these behavioral patterns, addictions, what, whatever it might be. And using, of course, the tools of the practice to become more spacious around those, those loops and letting myself be sliding down and go, okay, well, here I go. Look at this. I am doing this. And then that gets me not so deep. And there's actually maybe an off ramp where I can come up and look and just make space and become more curious about those samskaras. Like, oh yeah. And then of course, tracing the roots back to where they came from. And yeah, I would say, I would say that is, is really um, such an important observation that I'm making. And again, that we are sort of nailed to the moment as Pema Chodron talks about, right? None of us, we can't, we can't run away from ourselves. We can't run away from this situation. We're absolutely here. And so we've been given this teaching during this time that most yoga practitioners, if they were really doing their work, have felt again and again and again and again. You sit down with yourself and then you're like, the phone the kids make money. Is that a phone call I hear? What's happening? The floorboards are dirty. <laughs> you know, and so any way to yeah. opt, any way to opt out, like your relationship drama, you start, but any way to opt out. And so meditation and the practice of yoga are more just about like, damn, no, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. So presence is also something I'm working on constantly. And this, not, oh, mind is bad, heart is good, but a mind-heart conversation and this loop um, of, of that relationship of um, intellectualizing and heart wisdom, right? That chit prasadana, this sort of journey. Mm -hmm. So those, yeah, are, those, definitely... those are a few things. <laughs> Just a few, yeah. <laughs> <gasps> so the, the mind-heart conversation is an interesting one and, and feeling into things that you might normally think into and vice versa and even including the gut in that conversation yeah. somehow mm. I, I feel like there's a there's, there's something really interesting about that that I re, I'm, I'm exploring at the moment I want to go a lot deeper and 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 just kind of it seems like we're we're a little bit over mind at the moment uh, maybe more than a little bit but you know there's like you mentioned it's not to exclude anything it's just everything has its place and and learning how to i guess work with these different elements of ourself of of our being is i think that's i think it feels 
it feels empowering. It feels empowering um, in a way, in a sense of kind of like you're, again, surrendering into whatever's happening at this very moment. Mm. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, it's interesting because you, you brought it back to the practice of really just that, that stillness, which, which we're discussing and, and just bringing everything back to chanting. It, it, there's, there's, that's, that's one avenue to get there, but there's so many other avenues. Can you talk to me a little bit about this is going to sound like a big question. I know it, but I, I want to hear what yoga is to you. And, and, and obviously this is just your definition, but I think who better to ask. So what is yoga to you, Janet Stone? Mm. Yoga is truly this recognition of our, for me, of my individuation, right? My individual body and self born into this form that is impermanent that is an attempt to remember my infinite nature, my interconnected nature, to nature, to you, to all things, to all times. And that may sound lofty, but it actually is very practical. It is a very, it has very practical applications, meaning to keep coming back into body not just the story here I tell about my life, right? Not just the mask that I wear. It's like trying to melt that. And that's a daily journey, right? To just peel back, like, mm, pretty smile. Okay, now, okay, a wink. And then, uh, you know, just what am I performing? Mm. Like, it's the, it's, the, it's the melting of the performance of a life. It's the dropping into the actual presence of moment to moment body. And then that remembrance and that interconnectedness with all living things. My dear friend, Harish, who is a tantric Shaivist and a Sanskrit scholar, he talks a lot about the, the ocean, right? And he talks that, okay, so we're all this ocean. We're all from this ocean. We're all in the ocean. And each one of us comes up into this body for a moment, just like any windy peak in an ocean. And there's all the peaks in the ocean. But what we do is that we look across to the other peak and we're like, look at that foam, that's, that's nothing. Oh, look at that, look at that wave, it's so green. I, I'm not into that, well, though, that ocean peak. And then we all descend back in to the full ocean. You know, it's just, we have these moments of being embodied and like, how can we remember and how can I remember my interconnectedness with all things? But that also starts with my interconnectedness with my whole self as well. So hmm. it kind of, it's a partial answer. You and I could probably go on and on for a very long time, but yeah, we could talk, we could do a whole episode just on yoga. Easily. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that would be chapter one. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. That's, that's beautiful. It really is. It's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot to take in and, and it is quite a, quite kind of profound ideas we're talking about i guess yeah and, and i'll simply just you know add in there that a lot of this selling of yoga right has come from boxing it into like a self-improvement program so let me if you just give me a quick second to address that Go for it and yeah. that, and i'm happy with any self i mean it's beautiful but that's actually almost the antithesis of what yoga is. You're not actually self-improving. You're trying to actually just be with self as self is. And that 
that doesn't mean that you're not going to have profound shifts and maybe feel like you're a more um, trustworthy, honest, clear human. But if you're on the trajectory of like, I got to fix this broken thing, as opposed to I've got to reveal myself to myself again and again and again and melt into the isness of my being. It's uh, just it, so really also to say like, it's not just the asana and your planks and it's not just how many chaturangas or even contortion, which is all beautiful and can be uh, uh, almost like a mantra, right? You give attention and tension, you give power and focus. So that part's beautiful if you're holding it not as either a competitive or show-offy or, um, or a sense of like, I got to fix myself. I got to make myself improvement projects. So I just wanted to clarify that. Yeah. Is that, is that like a common pattern that you see in the mindsets within your studio or just in, in, in I think in globally. Yeah. I, I, tra yeah. I travel honestly across the, this planet and I'm so grateful. I, in all of the places. And, you know, so many of the questions just are about, oh, you know, can, can we do a handstand, you know, and all that is beautiful, again, attentive mm. and focused. But I really just want to remind, you know, us all that yoga is actually a deep, rich, ancient art and science that actually does mind, body, spirit, and it's not a self-improvement program. It's not just a, a momentary fitness program either. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. So there seems to be this kind of um, the, the idea of acceptance, the idea of effort and work and, and practice and showing up continually. Um, and there also seems to be an element of uh, trust. Uh, I was looking at the moon the other night and as uh, it's winter here at the moment and it was a full moon and there was like a, uh, I could see it through the branches of kind of a tree that had lost all its leaves and the, the dark clouds were kind of passing over until they completely kind of um, took away all the light that was reflecting off the moon. And, and I felt like, you know, this, the sense that the moon was, was my, my sense of knowing in a way. And that even though it was covered up by these clouds temporarily, because everything's impermanent, I still felt this real strong kind of knowing and, and, and presence by the moon, even though I couldn't see it with my eyes. So this comes back to this idea of, of trust and, and kind of allowing and, and, and trusting into life. You mentioned that you were, uh, your house was robbed and you lost all your money, for example, um, or, or a big chunk of your savings. And you were able to pick up this shruti box or harmonium and, and sing into this moment that to me that that really that points to a real trusting a real um sinking into which i'm sure you've you've developed over the time of your practice could you speak to me a little bit about that about the trust and building that that is and that's actually the you know in the yamas the first limb once again the the the, the second yama is satya which is truth and truth is not even necessarily for the outer world truth is becoming for me more internally trustworthy that that I can I, I don't second guess and doubt myself constantly that doesn't mean I don't get reflective and take time but to relax into uh, some deeper wisdom shining moon which is a beautiful analogy a beautiful vision right there that 
we are of course shrouded from that so often by all of the um, external circumstances, situations, uh, the societal pressures, right? And we forget that that is actually always present, always available. And I think also trusting comes from me, from the knowledge, we'll go back to impermanence, that this is a coming and a going. And I think that no matter how much we know that, you know, some of the Tibetan and Buddhist practices are on a daily, on the daily, meditating on our own impermanence. And even Shavasana, that's what it's for. It's not a nap, you know? It's for, it's for the taking the, nap. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's exactly, uh, it's for that remembrance of, oh, this body will come and go. And so there's a trust mm. in the process of birth and death of, um, love and loss. You know, again, when, you know, you have some idea or ideal about some relationship you're going to have and you do all the right things to get to that thing and they, and then no one's actually happy in that thing. But if you kind of, if you can open into a deeper space of trust in your own being and trust in, in this journey that you're on, um, yeah, there's something you can rest into and relax into and your level of managing and manipulating uh, the, and trying to puppet everything around you, it's to just relax a little bit. And that doesn't... <laughs> yeah 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 that was beautiful and yeah that's that's definitely a process that i'm going through at the moment and trying to i guess shift that from a um intellectual idea to more of an experiential process and and and, and you know revisit that continually and on in different ways like we mentioned earlier with the cyclical process of the of learning and really embodying some of these teachings it's yeah this is fascinating it seems like such a uh uh, again, such a large body of knowledge that you've acquired and, and, and through practice and through through learning. So thank you so much for sharing all this all this beautiful wisdom with everyone today and, and, and with me as well. I really do, like, it does mean a lot that you've kind of come here to talk to me. Um, and that, it, that brings me to the idea of back to community again and this idea of that it's a lot easier to trust when you've got people around you that in a way you can relate to and that have your back and that it's, you know, it's not so much of a competitive thing that's going on, but it's more collaborative. Mm. That's actually one of the things I, I, I would say I'm known for, quite honestly, is, is the Sangha, is the community that has grown up um, and had its own breath and life and evolution and, you know, just this weaving together of this fabric of come as you are. Come as you are. We're not here for you to fix yourself before you walk in the door. Don't tell me you're not flexible so you can't, you know, just come as you are. Arrive and then let's see if we can first see ourselves more clearly and then you see those around you. And each of us, you know, one of the things that, that I offer constantly is that in my own journey, and the reason I keep doing all the weird practices, <laughs> some of them are weird, let's admit, 
How weird do they get? Oh man, right? You're you've got the cloth up in through the nose. You know, you're doing your swishing oil through your mouth. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're up at four a.m. and you know it's it's right, and you're churning your digestive system. And but we forget. Period. And again, with the decades in my belt of practice, I know now that no matter whatever I gain, you know, insight, wisdom, a momentary clear seeing, whatever you want to call that, I will forget again. And the people around me can remind me just even by looking in their eyes for a moment or seeing them or their presence and arriving to be someplace. And then they'll forget. And then I'll be there and I'll remind them. And we forget and we remember and we forget and remember. And in community, we get to be in that pulsation of forget, remember, and know that the container, the fabric that we have woven together is large enough to hold us in our times where we're just in our small self, right? And then we come back into our more vast self, our, our bigger self. Uh, more expanded self and so community and sangha and it's sure it can be social but that's not even really what it's about it's about the showing upness and so and being present with each other wherever we are at and that holding in that strength is so much larger than anything i could construct or try to make happen or force I just make space and I keep my practice going and I make space and I make space and then I try to make a little more space, right? So that, you know, whatever can arrive, arrives. And I mean, that's what you were saying, like, oh, you know, 150 people, that's a lot, but it's actually because the, the, the evolution of just making more and more space within myself that I can make space for those who arrive, you know, how they arrive just exactly as they are. Hmm. That's beautiful. Okay. One fifty sounds like a good number to have together in a group. <laughs> I feel like I've heard something about that being like the perfect number for a tribe or something like that. Um, and yeah, it's it's wonderful that you that you that you do this and you bring these people together. I'm actually another you know on the same night of this moon story, I actually thought um, that I need to be doing that as well. I need to be bringing together communities. Um, in order to help people form a deeper connection to themselves, to the planet and to the ones around them. And I'm, I'm figuring out how to do that. So I'd love some words of wisdom from you maybe afterwards or mm. at some point um, if you have any um, to kind of help, help me on that journey because I think it is very important. But talking about community, it makes me feel of the opposite as well and kind of um, solitude mm. and the benefits and the, not only the benefits but kind of um, the importance of that. Do you do you have a strong practice or a, a ritual that you do that kind of brings you into solitude with yourself? And would you be open to sharing? Yeah, I mean, my morning practice is really that time between sleeping and and wakefulness. It's the time to clean the five senses before I, you know, begin again and start out into the world. It's a time to be quiet and yes I mean all of these practices lead back to that that internal stillness and you know like you said to to come out and to be in that space of even being with others but being able to be almost alone together 
like be mm. able to be still enough in the presence of of many and then you start to feel many holding that stillness and that meditating together with a big mass of people just feels like whoa 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 here's everyone willing to go deep in into their still point and then that just emanates out and that rhythm between the heart and the dura you know that that wraps the brain actually has this uh, calming and centering aspect on your physiology and that penetrates out that ripples out so the in in, in to the solo practice is so potent home practice personal practice can be um so powerful and it is necessary and also sometimes when we are unable to show up for ourselves it's almost easier to show up for others have you noticed that mm. Mm. yeah so. yeah there's some there's some kind of sense of uh it seems like duty i guess of, of being able to help out and serve others and that sometimes when we're struggling with our own practice that can really strengthen things i've noticed that myself yeah that that and and, and that's that's another thing that's worth kind of there seems to be like a, a sense of needing to allow but also to organize or to you know set things up in a certain way intentionally and 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 they need to happen i guess simultaneously setting up different rituals for yourself on your own organizing you know, um, communing with your community, you know, yeah. getting together and, and being together. There seems to be this organization and this allowing. And, and even I can see that within your life, just kind of from what you shared anyways, this, this sense of allowing, but also this sense of, you know, building up Janet Stone Yoga and, and, and finding, you know, an organized intentional way of bringing people together and, and wow, I can't even imagine what that journey would have been like. Um, can you talk to me a little bit about Janet Stone Yoga and, and, and a little bit, go a little bit deeper into what you're doing um, when you bring people together and, and, and how that kind of, how that's flowing? Yeah, well, so, you know, coming from the film industry and having that background and, and arriving here, not so much because I thought I was ever gonna teach yoga, but I just was in the yoga and, by its own evolution, it became something that I was sharing more and then more and then more and then more to the point of where there was um, no question that this was exactly where I was supposed to be. And feels, the, it sounds really natural. Uh, so natural. And honestly, mm. each, each moment has been like a gate opening as in, no, you're going through, you're going to keep going and this is where you go. And I, I think that's where you actually get to see Dharma at play. And I know sometimes Dharma is used as sort of some weird excuse for, for um, you know, pushing, but it really wasn't. It just has felt incredibly natural and a big unfolding. And so, I mean, the only reason it would have a name, right? It's actually just yoga. It just happens to be that I have distilled whatever I've distilled from all of my teachings and teachers and that, that I'm emanating it out. And that's only for you to be able to find me and for us to find each other. Otherwise it would just be like, yeah, yoga, come, come yoga. Come do some yoga. Yeah. <laughs> just yoga and yoga on the site and yoga on the thing. And it would just be that it's just that, you know, we have to, 
sort of have a, have a, a container in a sense for you to come find mm. us, you know, and, mm. and I have a platform where we've, we've just built out a big uh, online uh, presence and platform with immersions and trainings only because I do travel the world a lot and I have students who can't just pop in to SLN or come over to a training in Bali or, you know, arrive wherever I am in India, usually I'm there annually. And so, you know, ways in which we can share my teacher's teachings and in, in, in all of the ways in this online world, of course, that we're in right now more than ever. Um, but it is a community and it is a container that we, we hold with so much care that again, we just attempt to keep making more and more space for anyone who um, is looking to to arrive to be accountable for themselves and themselves and then share in with what they have and to be reminded of their deeper nature their truer nature you know and I've made three albums only like purely out of passion they've all debuted at number one on iTunes which is just even like what how is this <laughs> and it, because it it just feels all of it feels completely um, impassioned and um, without force is what I will say. Mm. Beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a beautiful um, journey that, that you've been on and it seems like it's this unfolding, this blossoming of, of your own process and I guess everything links up to the whole process, but it, it's, it's really something, um, it seems very magical to me. Yeah, of course. That's not to say I'm in a single mom raising two little kids oh. since they were tiny, tiny, and, you know, one on the front, one on the back, heading to India with the harmonium on the side. And, <laughs> you know, it's, it's been a yeah. lot of sleeplessness yeah. and a lot of yeah. surrender and a lot of, you know, I don't really have any social life. And I'm, you know, because I keep, I keep to my practice, I know what my intention and priorities are. And that's, and what will be of service to those is where I go. So I go to sleep silly early and I wake up early and, um, you know, I tend to, to my children and then to what it is that, you know, sustains this. So the practices and then what helps it emanate out, you know, and that's really it. It's less of a teaching as my desire is just to emanate what, what um, is here and present the teachings. Mm, it's like what we were talking about earlier about kind of building up the different sections um, in the way that feels right to you and then and then allowing kind of the rest to come together mm. and emanate mm. outwards once that once that foundation or those roots are really, you know, deep in the ground um, and then really allowing, you know, everything to flower and flourish on its own rather than trying to force, you know, um, feeding too many chemical fertilizers to that, that tree. Yeah. I, I get that and, and that feels really, yeah, that feels right and it feels like a good way to, um, sounds like a good way to do things, I think. <laughs> so, I wanted to know, uh, just for uh, for you out there, what are some great ways, and for me, what are some great ways to maybe take some beginning steps and, you know, it seems like a lot what we're talking about and I'm sure it could be quite overwhelming for someone that, you know, everyone's on a different part of the journey and you can, I'm sure you can begin at any part that you're at right now. And that's kind of like today in this moment. Um, where, what are some words of wisdom that you would share with someone that is kind of, you know, dipping their toe in the water in, in, 
in whatever sense you want to take that. Yeah, so deeply just, yes, be where you are, be exactly where you are. And I really love that you just reminder, we're all on a different part of our journey. And this could, this could seem a little lofty and a little mm, mm. <laughs> like, what? That's not, I, I'm just doing, I'm just doing some downward dog, man. Like, what's up with this? <laughs> what's up with all this other stuff, which is beautiful and perfect. And that's where you are. And, you know, uh, again, Pema Chodron, start where you are. And also, you know, just um, the Ram Das be here now, you know, it's, it's the presence of starting where you are. How, 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 what is sparking in you? Like what is resonating with you and follow that, follow it and follow it and follow it and feed it, like keep feeding it and notice, you know, just starting to give yourself that um, gift of sitting to really, if somehow you've missed the meditation practice, you don't even have to call it meditation. Let's just call it a sitting practice. If you've missed that or somehow, um, been able to sort of not do that quite yet it's it's a game changer and it's humbling and again you want to do anything else but because all the other things are so important because then you're doing and the ego is satisfied by the doing but that simplicity of sitting and going through that resistance and sitting with the resistance and listening to the voices in the mind that chattering at you all day but you're so busy following him you don't know so if there's any way you know if if, if those who are, are listening who have yet to really commit and give themselves the greatest gift of of sitting that would be that would be where i would say feed that mm. nice <laughs> <laughs> cool um do you want to maybe share some information about how people can get in touch and we'll do that kind of part of the show and can you yeah can you grab that box as well? <laughs> here i go be right back wow yeah it's not it's not a it's not a small one here let's see if we can get this a little bit it's like a whole thing my girl mm. All right, so you guys can see the keyboard. She's big, right? I'm just going to mute my site for a moment. <laughs> and just allow this to pass. So if you are listening, uh, you can give yourself this opportunity, unless you're driving, listening to a podcast, to just close your eyes. Maybe place one or both hands over the heart, palms facing just remember that heartbeat open and close. It's been here since your body began to form. Since you burst into this world, you were given a name, external circumstances that guided you, but that heartbeat is yours. It's your natural rhythm that you get to dance to for the time that you have this body. And Jay Ma is really about 
our expression into the world, what we want to give, express into this world during this brief life journey. So it just just goes J Ma, J Ma, J Ma, that's all we'll do. So it's doable. And just listen and receive. Let's keep the all the words and then we just end up with the heart beating under our hands out into this world and thank you for what you create the space you're creating thank you thank you so much janet that was that was very special i'm feeling i'm feeling kind of my whole body's tingling at the moment <laughs> this is great <laughs> <laughs> it's the it's the it's the bhakti yeah i think it's probably a good place to end it but it's just it's been such a pleasure to to have a conversation with you and to connect i feel i can really feel your presence and, and i really appreciate that Thank you and same and look forward to returning back to Australia and, and then also moving around the world and when that begins to happen and yeah to all of those listening just that great reminder of our interconnectedness that we are actually on this trip together and just taking care of our planet and each other and if anyone wants to find me it would really be through environmental activism <laughs> and her own remembrance of of our natural um, world and, you know, Janet Stone Yoga, it's in all the places, but really just about, um, we are connected to the earth and all the elements. Mm. Thank you, Michael. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Today Dreamer podcast. It was a very special conversation for me and um, hopefully it was to you out there as well. I'm going to continue this exploration into chanting and definitely into other practices that are going to help you connect to that deeper state of stillness. Um, so please come along on the journey with me. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, check out the YouTube channel if you're, if you're only listening to this. 
and um, connect with me in some way. If you're enjoying what you're listening to, if you've got any feedback, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, so please, um, you know, if you're thinking about it, just do it. Just reach out and um, and connect. I'm, I'm here to listen and, and I'd love to meet you. So yeah, let's, let's leave it at that and I'll catch you in the next episode. Thanks. Oh